I have to say love always wins. My mom was saying that to me forever and just in, you know, throughout conflict and throughout my dad being sick and she, um, she credits her religion to not being a drunk herself after going through that. But like, yeah, I mean, even in the hardest moments, um, that it's, that it is to be loving. If you are loving, it's, you'll sleep, you'll sleep better at night. Hi there, and welcome to the Let's Thrive podcast. My name is Emily Feichels, and I started this page to inspire, educate, and empower any who listen. Like most people, I'm a curious soul and love to chat with my guests on all things health, wellness, spirituality, entrepreneurship, and so much more. I hope you'll stick around for a time or two, and with that said, let's thrive. Hello, and welcome to the Let's Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and I'm a little bit jittery right now not going to lie. I just had a bit of a scare because the last two days when I tried to order my Siete tortillas and my Thrive Market box, my debit card was declined, which threw up major red flags for me because I know I have money in it. I keep track of my, you know, little checkbook. So I finally called and apparently last week or whenever it was by the time you guys listen to this, I tried to transfer money from my savings to my checkings to cover this one big check I had to write in between my work pay checks coming in. And apparently the woman transferred money not from savings to checkings, 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 but from checkings to savings, which left me with like $19 in my account. I then went on to order my new work clothes, my Thrive Market, and my digestive enzyme supplement thing, and a few other things. And as you can imagine, the check I wrote got bounced. It was a mess. And so when I called today, she's like, yes, you're, you have about $4 left in your account. So I kind of flipped. Thankfully, she was able to talk me through it. I got the right money in it and we are all set. But still, money is scary. I really don't like handling this type of stuff. So if someone wants to come be my accountant, (laughs) by all means, come here. So on to today's actual topic. Let's, let's get right into this. So I personally am a firm believer that addiction, obsession, what have you, can happen in a multiple multitude of ways. So whether it's through alcohol, drugs, clean eating, exercise, shopping, and so forth, so many examples, they all include an addictive feeling or an obsession to continue. It's a hard cycle to break and a feeling of reward or validation is usually involved. Well, today's guest, Sammy Eason, knows this all too well. And we have a wonderful conversation for you that I'm sure many of you can relate to. But before we get to the actual convo, I just wanted to focus on this whole idea of addictive behaviors and working through them. I thought it'd be a good idea to give an example of my experience with this so that you can see if maybe this relates to you or your life in any way. So for me, I was never the kid to go to drugs or alcohol or any of that kind of thing. I went to things that were just as deadly to the body. Um, not deadly. I went to things that were just as, I don't know, they affected the body just as so, and that was exercise and food. So for example, for a while, I was addicted to cardio and running. And now this may sound like, oh, so basic, like, boohoo, you were addicted to exercise. How bad is that? Let me tell you what, it was very bad. For someone on a restrictive eating disordered path, to be obsessed with cardio and running is not really a good mix. So for example, 
I would run five plus miles every day, except for one day of the week. And on that day, I would do two to three miles. Now, when I say running, I mean that, you know, by the end of this little stint, I was barely jogging because my body was literally dying on me. But the fact of the matter is I was obsessed with it. If I didn't get my run in, my whole day was ruined. I mean ruined, as in I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't think I deserved to eat my meals. I just felt like the most horrible human being. And so, you know, after that went on for probably five, six months, and all of a sudden I had the ding-dong moment of, holy hell, what have I been doing? And realized I needed to break the cycle because I was addicted to it. I did something that really scared me, and that was taking a hiatus from cardio and running. Now, I'm a firm believer that when you are addicted to something, you can't just take it out and be like, okay, no more of this for me. No, sir. I mean, maybe that might happen for you. But for me, that would have just led to a very big downward spiral and I would have fallen back in the cycle. So what I did is I replaced it. I replaced it with yoga, bar, and walking. All are low impact, all helped ground me and helped me get into my body and really made me feel strong. And I actually loved it so much that now I might run once a week, but for the most part, I do yoga, bar, strength training, and walking, and that's it. If I feel like going for a run, I will, but let me tell you what, I can barely do three miles now just because I think I'm over it, and that's, you know, kind of neat. And another example is just, you know, with the idea of food. A lot of us have addictive behaviors around food in different varieties. For me, like, as an example that I just wanted to share with you for this time being is I was obsessed and addicted to eating according to the clock. So, you know, this was the idea of if I didn't eat at the very specific time on the clock when it said, you know, it was breakfast, lunch, snack time, dinner, I would get extremely upset. And that would usually lead to either like restricting or binging in one form or another if I missed that time. So when I wanted to work on breaking this addictive behavior, this pattern, I actually did it during the summer. And, you know, so I wasn't in school. I didn't have any work at the time. And I just took two or three days, to be honest, and I didn't look at the clock. And it was really hard, but I would know that, you know, once I ate breakfast, so I would wake up, not look at the clock at all, and I would just eat when I started to feel my hunger cues, which was hard. I had to get back in tune with them. But then once I'd eat breakfast, I would be fine. Like, I'd I'd look at the clock, I'd do my normal stuff. And then once it hit about 10 o'clock, I would just get myself away from all clocks and I wouldn't let myself see when exactly it was lunchtime. And I would just go and go and go until I finally got in tune with my hunger signals. And I started to adopt this for a few more days and then a week and then a bit longer until finally I realized I could do it on my own. I didn't need a clock to tell me when I had to eat. So those are just two examples and they might seem basic to you, but you know, we all have our struggles and it doesn't matter if they're big or small. You can work on them, you can improve upon them, and they all matter. So, on to today's actual guest, (laughs) besides my rambling. We all know Sammy Jane Eason from her beautifully, honest, aesthetically pleasing feed, but there's so much more to this wonderful woman than meets the eye. If you want to see what I'm talking about, you can find her on Instagram at Sammy Jane Eason. S-A-M-M-Y-J-A-N-E-E-A-S-O-N check it out. 
So she has done a lot and experienced a lot in her life thus far, and she shares these tidbits of stories, thoughts, wisdom, and fun moments on her beautiful feed that tells the story of this powerful woman just making it through life alongside all the love, fun, struggles, and hardships that so many of us face, and that's what makes her so relatable and why I wanted to have her on the show. So one of the main topics we discuss in this episode is that cycle of addiction, as it's something she went through, she watched her dad go through, and she's watched others go through. We discuss how she broke it, how she helped others break it, and just, it's like the idea of finding the light at the end of the tunnel. Even when things seem dark and scary, you just, I don't know, sometimes you have to keep going. You have to keep going until you see that little bit of light shining through, and then you grab onto it and you just keep going towards it. Sorry if that sounds cheesy. (laughs) So we discuss the idea of going through change, whether, you know, for her that was leaving school, meeting her husband, Chris, facing the struggle with alcohol and drugs, and then that led into her journey to becoming sober. This was after a life of drinking. Her father had issues with alcohol when she was a kid, so she was exposed to it, you know, as early as 12 years old, and she explains in here how her first time being sober from the age she was about 12 and onward was when she had her first son. And we discuss how that little angel of a boy (laughs) changed her entire perspective and really helped her break the cycle of addiction. And in this, we do discuss the grief and the turmoil of losing her dad to alcoholism and then facing that herself and then seeing it in others as well. She shares how and why she started her amazing account and the philosophy behind it, as well as her relationship to health and how she even found an obsessive behavior with it that was fear-based, really, and it just kind of goes to show that we can all go through this, even if we're not outwardly showing that we are obsessed or we had a fear-based thing. Now, she is no longer like that around food. That was a while ago, but it's still interesting to hear it from her perspective. And then we, of course, dive into breaking the cycles of addiction, whether that is with alcohol or clean eating or poor habits or even negative thoughts. And we wrap up with a charming section about her kids and what motherhood has taught her from, you know, the values of patience and to heightened awareness in social situations, which is a message I think we all need to hear and be aware of. So if you're interested in any of this or if you're just you know, in for a good chat, I highly recommend this episode. If you like it, if something resonates with you, please share, take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram story, tag me at thrive underscore on life, tag Sammy, and just let us know what you thought. We both love connecting with our communities. We both love to chat. And, you know, we just, we're both big empaths. Like, (laughs) if you're struggling, reach out. You know, we, we are here for you. We see you, we support you, and, you know, let's just, let's be there for each other, eh? And as always, if you want to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it and send you a big virtual hug. Stay tuned for some fun giveaways in that section as well. But for now, without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. As you guys know, I'm all about eating a whole foods diet and supplementing when necessary for optimal health and wellness. That's why I'm so passionate about a favorite brand of mine and sponsor of the podcast, Cured Nutrition. Cured Nutrition offers hemp and CBD products that can enhance your daily wellness routine and aid in your health journey. Their products are organically grown, vigorously tested, and responsibly sourced in their home base of Colorado. 
And in case you're like I was just a few months ago, confused as to what CBD, hemp, or any of this means, let me explain. Hemp is in the same group as cannabis, but contains less than 0.3% of THC. It has been used and consumed by humans for ages and is a great source of plant-based protein, rich in essential amino acids, and supplies healthy omega-3 and 6 fats. Cured offers a variety of hemp products, like their hemp hearts that you can sprinkle on meals, blend in a smoothie, or bake into cookies. And the product I use daily is their mint hemp oil. I take a dose each morning and have seen immense relief of that early morning anxiety that so many of us can experience. More so, I firmly believe it's helped with my joint pain, which is something I've struggled with for two plus years now. In my last three months of testing cured products, I have seen drastic improvement. No more stretching four times a day just to relieve my joints, and I'm serious on that one. Now CBD, aka cannabidiloy, did I say that right? <laughs> it's a natural compound that is found in hemp and similar to THC, yet is not non-psychoactive. So no, it does not get you high. Cured has so many options for this too. Everything from a body salve, to dog treats, cookie dough, gel caps, and my personal favorites, the Zen and Rise capsules. I take the Cured Zen capsule every night for deep sleep and improved digestion. Thanks to their blend of CBD, magnesium, and super herbs such as ashwagandha and chamomile, I get a deep night's sleep plus the improved digestion from magnesium. The Cured Rise capsules are perfect for morning and act as like a natural stimulus to get you going. The blend is caffeine-free but composed of focus aids such as rhodiola and ginseng to craft the ideal nootropic supplement. Now, I really need this with my fatigue. That early morning, it just gets me going gets my brain alert, and I'm ready for the day. If you'd like to learn more about Cured Nutrition and their products, you can find them at curednutrition.com. And if you'd like to try a product or two, go ahead and use my code, Let's Thrive, to save $10 on your first order of $50 or more. Now there's no better time than the present to try something new and see the benefits of Cured Nutrition in your life. One of the things that I absolutely love about you is, amongst all the rest, is your style. I mean, you know, from your tattoos to your fashion to your house, like, have you always had this aesthetic, this just sense of style, or was that something you kind of built up over time? Um, that's really funny that you think that, because I, I think I'm just starting to learn how to, like, dress. But I went, I'm just like, for a long time, I was just obsessed with trends. And so when it came to like house stuff, like I went through a whole phase where I was just like at home goods and it was just all shit. Like I brought home like a Buddha, like, I was like just because I thought that was like a thing. Um, so with the house stuff, I've definitely learned that I like more minimal stuff and um, plants. Like plants are like just the easiest, uh, the easiest way to decorate. And it's like effortless. It just looks scattered, but it's, it also looks like it's in the right place. So that kind of, that's like what I started with. And then um, my aunt is a decorator at West Elm. And so I reached, we reconnected after um, we had a lot of family stuff going. We didn't talk for like 10 years. And then I actually found her on Instagram and she has been featured in like apartment therapy and stuff. And I was like, we reconnected and have a great relationship. And so she 
is she's kind of like my guide now. Like I'll just text her images and be like, will this work? And she'll, she'll give me her feedback. So that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> Baby steps. I love it. I know. I'm like eyeing your plants up behind you right now. You have just such a like beautiful collection. I'm the worst. I don't know. I just end up killing them all. But I finally found some that are like, I don't know. They must be kill proof because I've been able to yeah. keep them for a while now. <laughs> yeah. I think if you, my mom's always, whenever she comes over, she's like, Oh, that's not happy there. And so I feel like you learn, you know, you learn about them. I think kids are easier than plants though. <laughs> I forget about the plants. I'm like, you just sit there. Kids are like, you have to like move with them. That is a hundred. That is very true. Now, do you, are you on the side of, I've heard this come up a lot lately. Do you think dogs are the equivalent of work of kids in some cases? Because I know you guys have, what, like three big dogs? Yeah, we have three and one lives at my mom's. Okay. Have they given you more a run of, for your money than the kids have at times? Um, yeah, I mean, we've been going back and forth over like months now on whether to keep. <laughs> I just, Sorry, I didn't like I know it's so bad. Chris is like, when we were pregnant with Isaac, we slept with all three dogs in the bed. And now you just want to get rid of all the dogs. And it's not because like we have an acre yard in the back. It's not that they don't get exercise. I just don't walk them. Um, because I mean, they run around and play. So again, it's not like they don't get exercise, but like now that my priorities have shifted to the kids, it's just, I don't know, like my busyness revolves around them and like picking up, like you, you have to pick up after your kids. You can't leave food out. You can't leave toys out. So the dogs now, like what frustrates me is like the hair, like it's just extra. It's just, everything's extra, like mopping, vacuuming, dust. And then, you know, if you leave something out, they, they don't chew shoes, which I'm grateful for, knock on wood, but they chew, like if Isaac leaves out a puzzle piece with the wood, they chew it. And then it's like, it's just such a bummer for him. Um, he learned quickly to pick his shit up. But like, I don't know. It's just stuff like that that's frustrating now. Um, and then I feel bad for them because we used to like take them hiking and we used to take them. Luna went on a road trip to Boston with me and Chris. And so I kind of feel, I feel like they could have a better life. But then, you know, our our great Dane will be sitting there and my baby's like crawling on him and he doesn't move. And I'm like, okay, this couldn't get better. So I don't know. It's such a, it just depends on, on the mess and the dirt and the tolerance, I guess. Yeah, I get that. And like you said, I think it's like one day you're about to just like ship them off. And then the next day it's like, they warm your heart and we have a dog rescue we took in and the woman did not, she did not tell me how bad his anxiety was. Aww. Holy hell. It was, it was a journey for me and my family to like, you know, we didn't want to return him because he obviously hasn't had a home for four years because it's so bad. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, you know, some days he'll drag the garbage through the house and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I don't, I don't want this. Um, and the next day he's, you know, curled up with one of our cats and I'm just like, you can stay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we tried the rescue thing. Um, and that was our second dog was a rescue and he almost bit my hand off and he was so sweet. But when it came to feeding him, he was just awful. And I was like, 
after I almost lost my hand, I was like, I, we can't have kids with this dog. So it was really hard to give him back, but that's why we decided to do, you know, just get puppies because then you like, you know what you're getting into. But I think that rescues are harder. Oh yeah. It was our first rescue dog ever. And yeah, journey. (laughs) They're like kids. It's a lot. They are. They are. Well, thank you for just jumping into that conversation with me. Cause I just, you know, I was curious. There's questions that are not so much on the script that I always want to ask the guests and I try to get those out of the way. And so thank you. And along the way, you mentioned some things that I do want us to dive into, such as, you know, you mentioned the family struggles, you know, that had been brought up with your aunt and your wonderful husband and your wonderful kids. So could we maybe go back a bit and would you mind just, you know, introducing yourself and maybe, you know, taking us back to where you think your journey begins and where you feel comfortable, you know, taking us back to and sharing with. Yeah. So I moved, I moved out to St. Louis after my dad passed away. And that was, um, that was kind of right in the middle of just a lot of chaos. But, um, I think that's when I started to really have a problem with, um, drinking and drugs. And, um, I feel like daddy issues is so like, I don't know, some people get mad and some people don't care. But for me, I feel like I definitely had them, um, whatever that means to whoever's listening. Um, because he was sick for a long time. But then when we got out here, um, that was like, our family was, we used to have like big Thanksgivings every year. And then after we moved, everyone just kind of like, not that we stopped talking, but no one visited anyone. Like that just kind of separated a lot of things. So, and then I went to, I transferred from art school in in New York to a big university here and that did not, I mean, I had a 4.0 at art school and then I got to this college and just like didn't go to class. I don't know. I just like can't learn from a, I needed, I need like hands on stuff. I need to see what I'm doing or if I'm making something like I can't just take tests all day. That's just not how I operate. I think it was a combination of that. And then, you know, that was only two years after my dad passed away and my mom met my now stepdad who is 20 years younger than her. So he's closer in age than he, to me, than he is to my mom. But he's like, he's like an old soul. And my mom is like, when you go to Ikea with her, she like runs on the cart, like jumps on the cart and rides it. And Jared's just like, Allison, like, come on. (laughs) So it's cute. They balance each other out. Um, But that was like a new relationship. And it was really sensitive at the time. So that kind of made things go downhill. Um, Now everything's awesome. I couldn't ask for a better stepdad. He's so wonderful. And so then, then I met Chris in between all that. And then I dropped out of school and then Chris and I moved in together and we kind of, I was like, here's this drug, here's this drug. And, um, then, you know, that was a whole chapter and my first time being sober for more than six months, probably since I was like 12 was when I was pregnant with Isaac and that's when I just after I had him I was like I was like holy shit like there's nothing that would make me like there's nothing anymore that could make me ruin this um and I think after like 
because my dad was an alcoholic and that's what he died from. And so I think a lot of people go, you know, they go in that direction or they go the opposite direction. I just, I had to learn on my own. And so that's when I really started getting into like clean living and food was because I ate, I mean, I lived at Burger King and Pizza Hut when I was pregnant with Isaac. It was like, (laughs) I was not, I hate to use the word like healthy, but just, I mean, I was like losing my breath walking up the stairs. It was not great. Um, on top of being pregnant. So, so then I had him and it was just, I think it was because I was nursing and my delivery was horrible. The whole, my whole pregnancy with Isaac, Chris was drinking way too much. He was going out, he was partying, he was doing drugs. Um, and at the, he had, that was when his dad's business started to fail and he worked for his dad. So basically Isaac was born and then we had no money. We had to fix our upper house. So we had all this whole plate of things that we literally couldn't um, deal with. My mom was like, that was when she was like, you have to be the example and you have to really like whatever you want to happen, you have to do it yourself and then the rest will follow. And that was like, I had to just like keep, powering through and telling myself that. And, you know, when you're a mom, you can't like just be a mom, you have to have something else. So that's when I started, um, I guess like posting stuff on Instagram, except I quickly ran out of places to photograph Isaac in our house. That was just a mess. So my old friend from camp who does social media, she sent me a bunch of food accounts and she was like, just do food. She was like, you eat three times a day, you know, like it's fun. Um, it's consistent. So I kind of just, that's where that took off. Um, and that kind of fed my creative side. Um, and then slowly, you know, things started to turn around like really slowly. I think like we're still, we're, we're in a great place now, but we're still like, you know, not everything's like done. Yeah. The, the health stuff for a while was not, it was definitely fear, fear based. Like all the people I followed on Instagram, I was like, like, I thought that if I ate one ingredient that someone said not to eat that like Isaac and I would like die. So I was just not, you know, it wasn't like fun. It was the creative part was fun. And the, the making the food and the taking pictures, that was the fun part. But I went to my mom's at one point and she was like, you look, she was like, are you eating enough? Like you, and I, I never had anyone said that to me before, say that to me before. So I, that was kind of where I was like, okay, maybe this is getting too extreme. And yeah, I mean, we see that like erupt all over Instagram nowadays. I mean, I, everyone who, you know, follows this podcast and that's what I meant to say before is this is a judgment free zone because I've shared stories of people from all, you know, p- parts of life. And everyone that follows this knows that I went from one disordered eating to the next. And my last one was orthorexia, you know, like that obsession with like what ingredients I was putting in everything and, you know, when I was eating and all like taking health to the far extreme. And that is just almost, you know, nearly as bad as the other extreme. And I'm trying to reset my body after that, you know, and get it back to homeostasis. So I think we all see that. And when you when you were first going through, you know, your drug and alcohol phase, 
Now you mentioned that your dad, you know, was an alcohol, you know, like had his alcohol issues when you were growing up. Do you think like, were you generally attracted to the feeling of like, like the drugs and the alcohol and kind of like an escape or was it kind of like you saw your dad was that way? So you felt almost as if like it was, it was bound to happen to you. I don't know if that's making sense. Yeah. I think it was a combination. It was definitely like a bonding, um, something we bonded over for a while because my mom was so it's parenting so tricky because obviously like now being a mom, I'm like, I just don't want my kid's life to be like hard. You know, you just want, you just want things to be like easy for them. And when you do all that stuff, it makes things harder. And so now I, I get it. Like, so basically my mom was just like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. That in turn made me want to do it 10 times more. And then I had my dad, you know, coming home from work, passed out in his truck. And then I'd come home from high school and, and see him. And he'd have like Mike's hard lemonade in his back seat, And he'd be like, here, have one with me. So like, then I had him just, that was like something that we kind of did together, even though we knew it was wrong. And, um, I don't know, there were moments I think like now looking back where I would look over at him and just kind of be like, like, wait, this isn't like, this isn't safe. Like one time he, um, in middle school, he picked me up from a friend's house and we were, he was driving me home and he passed out while I was driving. And I jumped in his lap and like pulled his truck over and like waited for him to wake up. So it's like, they were just, I'd have these like flashbacks happen. And I knew, I think I knew that it wasn't the good thing to do, but it was like, that was the only time I was getting with him. And so I kind of fed into it. And then, yeah, once I, um, I mean, it's fun. You go to a party and you're, you get drunk and I shouldn't say this on a podcast that it's fun. It looks fun and it feels fun. But then when you wake up and reality hits you, it's like not fun. So I just, I had to just do that. I think so many times. And now even like if I have three glasses of wine versus two glasses, I wake up and I'm just like, this is horrible. Like, and it's not like I'm hungover. Like I used to get because there's, other stuff going on but it's like it took me a while to learn to learn that you know like I'm a morning person I love waking up and doing the morning so I was like caught between like oh I love to party but I love the mornings and then when I would wake up and my whole day went to shit it made me just like hate myself and then you know that brings on a whole nother list of issues um but I feel like you just, you have to like learn yourself and you have to listen to yourself. You can't just like do, again, I feel like everyone says this, but you can't just like do things because other people do that because it's not going to work for you because you're so, you know, up, like how you wake up in the morning, even if you have your coffee and eat your breakfast and do things at the same time as your best friend does them, it's still going to look so different. And yeah. so it just, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you were saying before too, it's almost, it's like a cycle where, you know, you wake up and you feel like shit and your day goes to hell. So you're, you're not in a good mindset. You're not in a good mood. Like it's easier to fall back into the habit that got you there 
taking it back to orthorexia, which, you know, obsession with healthy, anything with that, you can see the same cycles happening. And I feel like with almost any addiction, you know, it is that way because, you know, even when you're trying to wean off of it or trying to become sober or trying to, you know, leave those habits behind, you start feeling like shit, you know, because your body's going through all the detoxing and it's hard when you feel like shit, your mindset is horrible and, you know, it's hard to find the strength to get out of it. And, you know, so I'm curious when you did decide to go, you know, get sober, what did that look like for you? Like, what would you say it taught you about yourself? Like about your inner, maybe your inner strength There's something about you that you didn't realize you had before you made that, you know, humongous choice. Yeah. Addiction is just, just hard with that because you get so used to seeing yourself as one version. And then when you try and be the other version, whether that's the clean version or the, you know, doing things the way you feel that you should do them is that, that fallback is like, it's just, I mean, it's, I think a lot of it comes down to indecisiveness. And um, for me, that was, the hardest part about I I started going to AA because I was like, and this was about, this was like probably six months before I got pregnant with Isaac. And I, it was a really hard decision to make, but I just knew that the, the back and forth was just not working. Um, but I needed some sort of like reinforcement because another part of partying for me, um, was like rewarding myself. Like if I didn't, you know, if I had a really good week or like if I had an awesome day, then you go out and you drink or whatever. Like when Chris and I lived in Chicago, he, um, he was making a lot of money and we are, we had a studio apartment in the financial district and that was paid for by the company he was working for. And all of his money was just free party money. Um, and it was like, you know, you have a good day or he has a good day and you come home from work and that's like your reward. And so when I started going to AA and when I started that, I needed like something to look forward to. So I started getting piercings. Um, I just like, my whole ear was just full because I was running out of space, but six, I made it six months. And then um, I think that was about the time that I was like, I was like, oh, you know, I can, I was like, I totally have this under control. I'll just definitely can't do hard alcohol anymore. So we'll just stick to, to wine and beer. And then that's when, um, you know, Chris was still drinking and it just got to the point where I was like, again, I didn't have anything. I wasn't a mom yet. I was nannying full time, but I didn't have anything to like, I'm learning as an adult, you have to have an activity and exercising doesn't count. Um, cause that's just like an hour. Like you have to have something that you love to do every day that makes you feel good. And again, exercising doesn't count, you know, like a, I don't know, like pottery or like, you know, if you like to read, maybe you join a book club or like a cooking club, like you have to be involved in something. And so at the time I didn't have that. And it was just, you know, day after day after day and, and you get bored. Life gets boring sometimes. Um, and so that's when I, kind of fell off the, you know, I was just like, oh, you know, my limit will be three glasses of wine. And then that, you know, that's the end of it. Cause you just, that's the cycle you get back into. And then you, 
three glasses of wine is two bottles. And then you get to do that every night. And then you're just like, I don't know when I was pregnant with Isaac and I was looking at, I think wine is different too. Cause people are like, Oh, it's wine. It goes with food. So it's like, yeah, if you're having two glasses of wine with dinner, that's, that's what that is. But you can't like drink two bottles of wine and be like, like I'm not an alcoholic. You're still like, you're still drinking. So, um, when I was pregnant with Isaac and Chris was drinking, like sometimes a 24 pack of beer a night and working on our house, I was like, you know, I tried to cut him down as much as possible. And we used to fight over, like we have a ride on mower cause he, the, the yard is so big and he would, he could not mow the grass without a beer. Even if he had gone, like, even if that was just the only thing he had that day, it was like one or two beers. But then I started realizing when you're sober for nine months, growing another human being, you're like, that's so excessive. So even if you're just going out after work or like you're just, you know, maybe with food, if it's one thing, it's still like excessive. If it's, you know, you don't need anything extra. Like what we actually need is not a lot. And it's not, it's not fun. Like to survive, you don't need fun stuff or like dessert or like, you know, treats or like material things. So I think you just start to notice you know, with addiction, like how excessive those things can become. Yeah. And I saw an interesting post that I think kind of like just hit on what you were talking about. Like it, it does not have to be just like alcohol, you know, it can be food, it can be material items. And this woman was talking about how self-care isn't always rewarding yourself with you know, sweets or with alcohol or, you know, with going out or with this or that, like sometimes the self-care is actually going inside and seeing like, okay, I do not need this half a pan of brownies this late at night. Like I need to go to sleep or, you know, I don't need to go out and socialize tonight. I need to stay inward and maybe just relax and reset. And I think that is really important because I saw that behavior. You know, my dad, he hasn't had any alcohol issues, but after he lost my mom, I just became very aware of like watching him. You know, I didn't want him to fall into anything. And of course they were teaching us about alcohol in school at that point. And I'm like, oh no, like he's drinking too much. But you know, he wasn't. But what I found was that, you know, he'd come home from work and immediately get a beer. And he's drinking that, you know, as we're doing dinner or whatever. And then he sits down and he has like another one, you know, to like, midway through the night as he's mowing the lawn or as he's working on a project or before we walk the dog. And then like he'd settle in on his recliner for a night of watching sports and grab like his final one for the night. But like, I realized I was like, and I mentioned it to him. I was like, do you realize that you're like, are you even thinking like if you actually want it or is it kind of like a habit of, you know, here, here, and here, I'm going to grab one. I'm going to grab one. And you know, and I brought up, I just like, once I brought that to his attention, I noticed he, you know, it's not habit. Now he'll, it's random. You know, if he wants one, he gets one to drink like a beer, but it's no longer a habit or a reward or, you know, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that is a very important point. You know, I never hadn't really thought about that too much until you said that. I agree with that. My mom was always like, because, you know, in high school when I was, partying at friends houses or you know the the parents would let them 
have boys stay in their room or whatever. And my mom would always be like, the loving thing to do is to say no. And no judgment to those parents, of course, that's their decision. But it was because it was because all the things that I wanted and the things that I was doing were not were not gonna end well. And so she, you know, and that's tricky now as like a mom of two two young kids, you want, of course I want Isaac to like have what he wants and like do what he wants. But sometimes it's like the loving thing to do is to say no, because it just, sometimes it doesn't end well. And I learned that like I, I burnt a couple months ago, I was really burnt out. And that was when Chris was traveling a lot. And I was, I was pretty depressed, I think. And, um, I was just trying to like make the days go by faster by like adding activity activity. And then that was before now I have a sitter who helps me once a week. Um, and Isaac's in school, but, um, just half days, but even that gives me, you know, like time to do something like this. But at the time it was just all me all day, all weekend, all the time. You, there's just not maxing out is not always the loving thing to do, even though it's nice to see a friend for coffee or to take your kid to the park. Sometimes like when we stay home all day, I'm like, shit, I didn't do anything with Isaac. Like what a, what a horrible day for him. And then, and my mom, you know, I'll call my mom or we'll catch up three days later and she'll be like, Sam, like, you know, you did this, this, and this, like he needs a day to just chill. And so, yeah, I think absolutely self-love is, is not saying no, saying no. I am so happy to introduce another sponsor for the show and a brand that I have loved for years before Instagram was even a thing, Terrasol Superfoods. If you know me at all, you know I love my smoothie bowls with my crunchy toppings and my chocolatey baked goods, but what you might not know is that without Terrasol, none of that would be a thing. Terrasol specializes in a variety of organic and responsibly sourced superfoods, all available at reasonable prices and in a variety of sizes. The company's founders, Dennis and Amy, are passionate about delivering quality goods, all while supporting local and global communities for sourcing. What I adore most about Terrasol is the fact that I can buy all my baking goods and superfoods in bulk, saving money and reducing plastic waste. Now that is a win-win situation. My absolute favorites and routine buys from the site include cacao nibs, coconut chips, sunflower seeds, and pumpkin seeds to top my smoothie bowls with. And for all my baking goods, I order cacao powder, coconut flour, coconut sugar, and dates, all in big bulk bags that save me money and save the planet while we're at it. (laughs) And it doesn't end there. You can order superfoods such as spirulina, maca powder, hemp hearts, chia seeds, flax seeds, goji berries, and so much more, all at amazing prices, responsible sourcing, and available in a variety of sizes. The best part is that by using the code EMILY20, that's all lowercase, E-M-I-L-Y-2-0, EMILY20, to save 20% off your order of Terrasol products. Go ahead and give them a try. I promise you will not regret it. Share your favorites on Instagram and tag them at Terrasol to show some love, and that is T-E-R-R-A-S-O-U-L. And as always, message me with any questions or concerns you have. Hope you guys check them out. And without further ado, let's get back into this episode. How would you say that your 
two two little angels <laughs> have impacted you. your, <laughs> impacted your life. Like, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, not, I mean, obviously they've kept you on your toes. They've kept you going, but you share a lot of sweet moments with them. And I feel like you have some, I mean, Isaac is wise beyond his years. I, <laughs> I can't believe he's <laughs> such a kid, but you know, what have they taught you, you know, besides these little moments of slowing down and, you know, doing more, what else have they like taught you or made you realize about yourself? Well, that's a good question. Um, definitely patience, number one, because I'm so impatient. Um, Chris and I often fight about, he'll be like, he'll be like Sam, you're moving so fast that you, you're missing everything. And my whole point of like moving fast is to like do more, but I end up doing less because I'm just like stressing out about too much. Like some, sometimes a whole day will go by and Chris will be like, did you, did you pee? Like, and I've had a conversation with another mom who is the same thing. And it's like, it's, I don't know. It's not good. It's a, definitely a combination, combination of anxiousness and impatience, but yeah, they teach you. I mean, going to the grocery store with two kids is like, it's an hour and a half, you know, in and out of the car, in and out of the cart, the whole, you get to the store. Well, Isaac's, you know, he's, fully functioning as a human now. So that is like, you know, he wants to be over here and he wants to go look at the cereal box or, you know, whatever. So it just, you have to like, I don't know, you can try and have a routine and a schedule, but like last week, like, you know, just things like we were supposed to do this last week and 10 things pop up and it's like, Sometimes that can be really disappointing, um, but you have to just roll with it. So definitely patience. I mean, I just learned, I feel like I, they just taught me like who I was because I went from like early childhood into just, I feel like I was just socializing and distracting myself for so long. Like I always thought I loved I do love to talk and I love to socialize, but I'm also such a homebody and kind of an introvert. Like Chris and I went to a couple of music festivals and you know, you go to the festival, you do hard drugs and you're in a crowd, a massive crowd and there's loud music and everyone's sweaty and you're, it's like, it's a mess. And I, that never phased me. And I think it was because I was, I was drunk or high. And then when the, the St. Louis blues won the Stanley cup, we went downtown to the parade. It's like two in the afternoon. Obviously I'm sober. We're like inching through these crowds. And I was like, Chris, I was like, I'm gonna pass out. I was like, I can't be here. We have to go right now. I'm gonna pass out. Someone's gonna throw up on me. I can't be here. And like the risk of that happening where we were for the parade was like a million times less than being at a, festival where everyone's pretty much just effed up. And so I just like now looking at that and being like, wow, I really don't like those situations. I would never have known that, you know, had I not had kids and just pretty much stayed home. Like just because I nannied and then I stayed home with the kids, like I I'm grateful that I don't have to work. Um, 
you know, outside the home, but, but that being home for so long made me realize like, you know, I actually don't like being out as much as I thought I did. And sometimes in Whole Foods, like if I get to the, the checkout in every row, I mean, I can't even me grocery shopping in New York City, forget it. All the lines, I just, I mean, I can't do that sometimes. Yeah, the just, first- Just because it stresses me out. Like it gives me so much anxiety. And I, I don't know, it's not, it's not good to give into those, those things sometimes, but man, I mean, I had no idea that I was like that before kids. Yeah. I mean, the first time I went in a Whole Foods in New York City, I like, I, I was flabbergasted. I mean, there was, I didn't know that many people could fit in a store and have it like still functioning. And similarly, I was just, I was like on high alert. I'm cause I'm, I'm like a people watcher. So I'm always watching you know, people around me and I'm like, too much it was like sensory overload and you know that that is neat though that you were able to come back however many years later to a similar situation and just wonder like how did I ever (laughs) how did I ever do this how did I ever function you know in in these crowds in this atmosphere and it's it just goes to show the growth I guess you know of how far and how much things have changed as well yeah um I want to add, I want to add awareness to that too, because now that there are, you know, young people, not that I'm old, but like, I just hearing about a shooting in a bar is also like, you don't have to put yourself in a place where there's a lot of unawareness in those places and like being a mom has taught me to be really aware and like you know to pay attention like you said to be on high alert and not not fear-based but like you know just to I don't know I feel like a couple weeks ago Chris was like yeah I might go out with somebody it's not like you know it's like you can go to a happy hour but like not out out it's sad that we have to think about that now but like if you're nothing good happens after 11 PM anyways. Like, let's be honest. So, you know, just being aware of the places that you're in and the people you're around and the activity that's going on there, I think is really important right now, especially. Certainly. And like you said, not being fear-based, just I mean, be aware. I mean, we all know when someone's acting shady, like don't automatically judge them, but keep, maybe keep your eye on them. And, you know, just, just be a little bit more aware of your surroundings. And I think, you know, no matter where you are, it's going to benefit you. Maybe you get in line before the person, maybe you save yourself from a, you know, horrible event. Like it just helps in all avenues of life. Another thing that I wanted to ask you about is since, you know, you work from home and you have the kids and your Instagram You've also started recently to share about like Lark skincare and I've seen, you know, you've just been featured in a bit more places. So what has that felt like to get to this point where, you know, you're working with brands and, you know, going on these trips and really making a work out of, you know, this, this passion, you know, something that you started because you needed something and now it's it's evolved so much and given you so many opportunities. So you know, what are your thoughts on that? And maybe if you want to expand upon Lark some, I know Olivia talked about them. She loves them. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely very special. It's a very special feeling. Um, I, uh, St. Louis is just, the community here is unlike any other place I've been. Um, and it's just very welcoming and uplifting. Everyone, everyone wants to see each other, you know, fly and people are supportive and um, so I, I don't even know how that, well, I, I was gifted someone, my friend gave me like a little, my friend who owns Honeycomb, which is a local toy shop that just opened after Lark opened, she, um, gifted me like a face bomb or something. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, I have to go in there. And I'm just not one for like, I don't color my hair. I get my nails done, but I don't. I mean, I literally found like a mustache two weeks ago. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, this is why people get waxed. Like, I need to pay attention. So I just like, I don't know. I'm not, I guess I'm just not on the, that spectrum of like following trends for like beauty. So I just never, I had had like one facial before in my entire life. And so I went in there and they do the, the gua sha. And um, that was interesting to me so I booked an appointment and kind of just I don't know Christmas came around and I bought all my Christmas presents from there um just because it's again trustworthy women owned um just a good all over love to support them and then they they came out with this campaign for confidence a couple months ago and um they asked me to be involved in it which I thought was really amazing and, and flattering um, for me. So of course I said yes. And I, through them, you know, I met more awesome women here. And um, so yeah, just really, really grateful for that. Um, and then the trips, like, I don't know, just getting that email and being like, oh, we'd love to, you know, have you, it's just exciting. I think it just goes to show like character because I think, um, especially on the internet, it's very hard to, to pick up on someone's, I don't know, sometimes you can read people and sometimes you can't. And so it's just, it's very special when someone, you know, reaches out and wants you to be a part of something they're doing. Um, and it, it just makes you feel like, like, okay, maybe I'm doing something right because people want to be around me. Just yeah. It, I mean, it, may, it makes you feel like seen and almost appreciated. Like, wow, somebody's picked up on, somebody's read all my, all my work. Somebody's, you know, felt connected to me enough to reach out and do this. And I think that's something, you know, like a lot of us, I think it's starting to happen more and more through Instagram. You know, people, there's, you know, trips for brands or there's things like expo and, you know, different meetups and podcasting and interviews, you know, for written out interviews. So, and I think the, I don't know. Yeah. It, it connects you much deeper because you do get to have a conversation. You get to see how someone acts outside of the little caption or outside of a quick story blip. And it's so special in that way. Yeah. There's a level of connection. I think that like has, um, is like elevated on online now that there wasn't before and like you said I think comes from all those things where it's like this togetherness 
you know, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts. So however many years ago when you were, you know, deep and still kind of struggling between, you know, alcohol or drugs or obsessive health or just finding yourself, you know, how did you think of friendship then? Did you, did you struggle to have friendship, especially with other females? And, you know, how does that compare to now where you have, you know, a community that loves and supports you that you've really built up around yourself? And, you know, so how did those two times kind of compare? And, you know, mainly what are your thoughts on female empowerment, friendship, and community current, currently for you? Well, that's a good question. Um, I fortunately, I didn't burn any bridges um, ever. And I think that's because I um, am an excessive people pleaser. Um, so I think I knew whenever I had, I had good friendships, but I definitely used to fall into like, especially in high school, like gossiping and, um, just because wherever I was in that moment, I wanted to like please the person I was with or agree with them or be on the same page as them. And that totally backfired with so many other relationships. But at the same time, you know, I, I knew what was that that was wrong. And so when it, whatever situation arrived at the time or conflict, I would, you know, apologize or, um, reach out and say something just because I knew I had, had fucked up. But I also made a lot of those decisions under the influence. And now that I'm, you know, sober, you know, basically, um, it's very, it's just, it's so much easier to navigate like friendships and um, especially women because women are sensitive and emotional and well, so are men, but like, you know, we, we get wrapped up in all the, in all the stuff and guys generally like don't tend to, to care. Like even to this day, if, you know, I read a text the wrong, like two weeks ago, my friend texted me and it was just cause it was over text that it was really didn't, I don't know, maybe it didn't have like, I'm big on like explanation points when I text. <laughs> so if it has like a period, I'm like, oh shit, they're so mad. And I don't know, I just read it wrong. And Chris was like, I think like three hours went by and he was like, are you still like woke up about this? Like, who cares? So, um, yeah, I definitely, I didn't burn any bridges, but I, my friend, you know, when I stopped going out here in St. Louis, I had no friends and this is like, it just so happens that I think with the Instagram stuff and the level I'm at in motherhood, I shouldn't say level, but you know, just, just two kids, you know, just farther down the line of that experience. Um, it's yeah, the, the community and the support and the, I don't really have any friend groups. I've never been, I've always been like a floater. I have friends from camp, friends from, I went to three different high schools, you know, just friends scattered all over. Um, I never really had that like group of girlfriends that we would like, you know, go on trips or like do stuff like that. Um, but now it's, yeah, it's just happening at kind of coming together at the same time where, I don't know, I have a really, luckily just a, a lot going on here because 
when I, again, when I stopped partying and, you know, those early up until Isaac was like two, I, I didn't really have many friends because I wasn't going out anymore. And then all the friends I used to go out with, you know, you don't hang out with anymore. Um, and then it is, it does help once the kids start to do activities, you can meet people. Um, I think it's still really hard as a mom to find like-minded moms that you want to hang out with. I have my friend Lori here who she used to be a food blogger in Chicago. Um, and she still posts stuff on her account and she's super cute. Maybe I should have said it anonymously, whatever. She won't care. If yeah. she um, but she was like my first mom friend. And to this day is Isaac's best friend because I posted at Jenny's ice cream on my stories two summers ago. And in my Instagram story, she was in line and she messaged me and we had already sent a couple messages together. And she was like, Hey, she's like, that's the back of my head. And then she was like, let's meet at the farmer's market. And I was like, okay, great. And then we met at the farmer's market and we've been friends ever since. And so through her, I've met so many people. And like, that's, I feel like all you need is like one, one good encounter with like the right person. And like that can, that can be the game changer. Yeah. But it takes a while. I mean, I've been in St. Louis for almost 10 years and it's, just now I have a handful of friends with kids that I can, that I can be with. Some of those relationships just started a year ago. So it's just, it takes time. Yeah. And I, I had to go, I totally relate. I'm the same way. Like all my messages either have like exclamation points or emojis because I'm just such an expression, you know, I express myself. And so I actually told my brother, I'd be traveling and he'd send me a text and he would always just be super blunt and edit in a period. And you know, I'd be like homesick or I'd be worried and I'd be like, what's wrong? Are you mad at me? And I'd go on and on. And so now he knows that if he texts me and I'm like in a bad mood or I'm traveling or I'm away from home, he always has to use like exclamation points because I, I just, I get, I don't know. I get that. And I'm, so I feel you on that one. Yeah. And, and then, you know, I wanted to ask you about this friend situation because I remember I mean, I've been following you for a while now and I just remember, I don't know when, but you did a post, you know, explaining and admitting that you just felt very, I think you only had Isaac at the time and it just hit home because you, I think you had just come from like Expo and you were like saying how the community in California was so great and you came back and you just felt so like off because, you know, it's obviously different in St. Louis. And I, you know, I've always felt similar. I live in Pennsylvania middle of nowhere, I, I don't have, you know, a community of like-minded individuals. I don't have any of that fun, heart, you know, warming stuff. And that post you did just hit home with me so much. And, you know, like I mentioned before, you've just on your stories and in your posts, like it, it looks like you have made all these amazing friends. And I just thought that was such like a beautiful transition. Like now you're you know, you have both your sons and you have this beautiful community surrounding you. And I think, you know, as women, making friends can sometimes be easy and sometimes be really hard. So I think that's, you know, amazing. All the different ways you said you kind of made friends that they all work and they can all be used in, you know, the daily life. So. Yeah, I will say, I think, like you said, you're in the middle of nowhere. Like the one thing you can't focus on is location. And I think for a long time I compared 
my life here to California or to New York or to Boston, um, where, you know, it's just busier. And it's like, if you're going to compare, you can, you can't change your location unless you move realistically. So it's like, you're just, you're wasting all that time. You know, if you make the best of where you're at, quality over quantity, it's, it'll come. Yep. Yeah. You know, and it's learning process, but getting there. <laughs> patience. Lots of patience. Yeah. <laughs> Something we all need. Uh, so you mentioned this before too, but, you know, how would you say your philosophy on health is now? Because, you know, you, like most of us have been, you know, it appears on the other spectrum of obsessing over it, of not caring at all. So how would you, you know, maybe describe your style of health in the current moment? Um, I, oh, that's tricky. Um, I don't know. I just, I think our, our essentials and our bare minimum is like with what we can afford. I kind of just try and do as clean. I don't know. That's maybe the wrong word to use, but just, um, I mean, I've learned in the last couple of years that I do have um, a little bit of a gluten allergy. So, you know, if we can do gluten-free, I'll do it. Um, no dairy. That's just, it works for me, for my digestion. And then also, you know, Maddox was having reactions to it since I'm nursing. So there's stuff like that. Like if we can avoid it, you know, we do, but at the same time, like last week, last week at, you know, I, sometimes I can't eat, get Isaac to eat those, the toddler phase is really annoying where they just don't eat anything. And I'm grateful that all he wants is carrots and hummus and berries, but I'm like, you need other shit. So he asked for chicken and, and fries and I was like, cool, we're going to go get, you know, chicken fingers and fries. Cause I don't know. It was, it got us out of the house. That's what he wanted. So sometimes it's like you, I think you just do what happens in the moment. Um, but if you, I think it's just about preference for us. Like I know that I feel better eating a certain way. So I don't, I've never really struggled with like cheat, you know, like a cheat meal or like that kind of, um, mentality around eating. But I know that if we go to like a restaurant, Chris wants to eat too, versus like where I want to eat, I'm going to feel like shit after. So we'll try and go like to the places where I'm, where I like, which he's grown to like too, but you know, so, um, yeah, I don't know. Our style is just, um, day by day for sure. And, um, just, I think just getting to know what we like and what makes us feel the best. And, and that's what we stick to, but there's no, there's no rules. I mean, someday, sometimes the whole day goes by and Isaac, you know, he had a waffle for breakfast and, um, you know, a, a good brand, not it's, I don't, I don't buy ego or whatever. So definitely everything's on the the ingredient spectrum is great all around, but you know, sometimes the whole day will go by and I'm like, okay, you had a waffle and then you had apple and peanut butter and then he had a yogurt and then he wants an ice cream sandwich. And I'm like, 
laying in bed and I'm like, oh my God, he had way too much sugar. But that's just, that was one day. So you just can't, you can't overthink it. Yeah. And I mean, I, to me, that's what intuitive eating, intuitive living is. I mean, I know that term gets thrown out so much and I'm, you know, I still struggle to find that sometimes I just overthink things like you said. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that honestly living day to day, like waking up, you know, being a toddler, like, what do I feel like today? What don't I feel like today? You know, what's going to sit well? Like it's so intuitive and just natural. And we've all, you know, a lot of us have fallen away from that. So I, I, I think that is beautiful. And honestly, you inspire me because I get in such, I'm a creature of habit. So I'll just start eating the same thing time and time again, because I know I feel good. I know it's, you know, not going to upset my stomach and I know it's good for me. And then I'll see, you know, you make something, there's a few other, you know, you and a few others where, you know, you just post things and they just look so good and they just inspire me. Like, you know what, maybe I am going to make eggs for breakfast or maybe I do want a mug cake right now instead of (laughs) trying to make this complicated, like healthy dessert balls, like screw it, you know? So I, I admire that. I think that is, you know, a way of living that we all really need to get back in tune with. So (laughs) yeah, I know we can learn so much from kids. Like, I think just the older you get, the more like we have so many options and it's like too many. It's like too much. Like I hate, I love going to a restaurant where there's like four things on the menu. So I'm like, great. This is, I don't have to think about it. But I think as we get older and we just know what's out there, it almost like, it can almost ruin, ruin stuff. And kids just, you know, they just, what do I want? Pops in their head. That's what they do. So I think there's a lot of, a lot we can, um, observe from them. Yeah. And like one thing, that reminded me when you said that was this concept I've heard a couple of times and it's decision fatigue. Like we're just in a state of constantly making decisions. You know, it's like, what workout do I do? What time do I get up? Do you know, what time do I eat? What do I post? What do I this? What do I that? And then, so I started at the end of a long day, I'll just, you know, if I'm cooking dinner for the family, I'm just like, you decide because I'm tired of thinking and making decisions. And, you know, I think that's why sometimes we find ourselves craving a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like, yes, is that tasty? Yeah, it's good. But like, why do so many of us find ourselves craving something as simple as chocolate milk or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, or just, you know, like a piece of toast? Like they're so simple, but I think it's like part of us craving just the simplicity of saying like, you know, that's all I want. I don't want to decide one more thing. And right. I don't, I don't know. That kind of came up to my mind when you were talking just then about, you know, simplifying things really. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, what's cool about Instagram right now too, is that like, I've just never really been like a, like I never went like on recipes.com or like, you know, I just our my mom's, gener- our parents' generation is so different in terms of like meals and like Chris is still to say like can you just make a damn casserole and I'm like no because I don't know how to make one (laughs) and I'm not going to make one Um, but just like being able to go on an app and follow whoever makes things like the easiest for you and then you can see it and just like take away from that I think is cool because I I don't think that um you know my kids are going to be 
they're not gonna have like, oh, my mom made this great chicken parm. <laughs> Isaac's gonna be like, my mom made toast every day. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Damn good toast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, toast shit. You can eat anything on toast. It's great. I'm just lazy, honestly. I'm like very lazy. So minimal, the minimum is is great for me. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, uh, I just, I feel like I could just go on and on with you, but I know I I just, I thank you so much for coming on and I do want people to be able to find you. So where can people find you on Instagram, see your cute little kids and your amazing house and your amazing toast? Sweet. Um, (laughs) my toast, yeah, (laughs) just bread now. Um, my handle is at Sammy Jane Eason and um, my blog is motherofchunk.com. And that's it. Well, I love it. And I do have two rapid fire questions really quick. Okay. So if you could meet anybody, past or present, who would it be? Oh my God. Um, oh my God. I'm too indecisive for this. Like what? Like a celebrity or just like anybody? It can be anybody. People have said like, Taylor Swift, all the way to like their deceased grandmother. Like we've had oh, a whole. I would, oh, I would meet my dad, one hundred percent. Yeah, I know. I've last week's guest. She wanted to meet her her dad too that had passed, and yeah. I was like, I, I agree with that one. Yeah, hands down for <laughs> sure. Okay, well, if MJ's crying, you can totally go. I didn't. Can you? Oh, he's fine. If you don't care, you have one more. Question. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Last one. If you could just yell one piece of advice from the rooftops for all to hear what would it be i have to say love always wins my mom was saying that to me forever and just in you know throughout conflict and throughout my dad being sick and she um she credits her religion to not being a drunk herself after going through that but like yeah i mean even in the hardest moments um that it's that it is to be loving if you are loving it's you'll sleep you'll sleep better at night you just will so that's what i have to say well i love that i i hope we all can hear it thank you so much for coming on (laughs) of course thank you for having me I hope you guys took as much away from that episode as I did. I know listening back to edit it just gave me all the feels because it's just so raw and vulnerable and full of such truth, which I appreciate in this world where all the times we're being fed a lot of BS. (laughs) If you resonated with something or just, I don't know, connected with maybe me or maybe Sammy, let us know. Like, take a screenshot of this, share it on your Instagram story, tag me at thrive underscore on life, tag Sammy at Sammy Jane Eason, and just let us know what you thought. You can always message me or Sammy, and we'll be happy to chat. I know it. And with that being said, I wanted to read a review of the week from you wonderful people. This one is titled, Thoughtful and Fun to Listen, by Emily Stroh. I hope I said that right. Oh, we share the same name. I'm so stupid. I'm sorry. I didn't even realize that until I'm looking at it now. I'm Okay, you guys just witnessed a very dumb moment. I'm sorry. Okay, so Emily says about me, my name is Emily. She says, 
I love listening to this podcast because you can really tell Emily, me, is passionate about what she's doing, has amazing guests that bring a wide-ranging range of topics to her show, and is thoughtful about the topics and questions. Everything about it is so relatable, and I always leave learning something new. Yay! Emily, you just made this Emily very happy with that review. My sole mission with this podcast and with the hours of work I put in, and the money too, let's be honest, the money, all I want is to make a change in someone's life for the positive. And whether that's by inspiring them, educating them, or empowering them, I don't care. As long as it's one of those or something else, I suppose, I'm a happy camper. So you saying that you learned something new just makes me giddy because it means I'm doing my job and it means I'm doing it right. So thank you. And if you'd like to leave a rate review, you can go on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and you just go to the comments or the review section and I think as long as you're signed in, you can leave one. And I know it's a pain in the butt to do that. Trust me, I've, you know, stalled leaving reviews for some of my favorite shows too. But since starting this, I've really realized how important it is. I mean, when it comes to booking some guests or even some ad slots, like they go right to your reviews and that's what makes them determine it. So I know it's annoying and I honestly hate asking this of you. I don't like to ask things of people, but it really does help me. And, you know, I do provide this all for free. So this is like an easy way to pay me back, I suppose, but not even in that way. Like, it's like, you know, if I give you a hug, you wouldn't just stand there with limp arms. Maybe you would. You'd hug back. So this, imagine this is like your way of hugging me back for providing you with this content, eh? Either way, I, I just appreciate you guys. So I'm going to quit now. <laughs> Enough rambling on my part. Thank you and have a very good day.